Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent TED video, Why Working From Home Is Good For Business. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring the recent TED video, Why Working From Home Is Good For Business. As popularity of remote working continues to spread, workers today can collaborate across cities, countries, and even multiple time zones. How does this change office dynamics? And how can we make sure that all employees, both at headquarters and at home, feel connected? Matt Mullenweg, co-founder of WordPress and CEO of Automatic, which has a 100% distributed workforce, shares his secrets. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. The basic problem with working in an office is you're just not in control of your work environment. Howdy, my name is Matt, and I'm the CEO of Automatic, the company behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, and WooCommerce. We're coming up on over 800 employees, and they live everywhere, from California to Alabama, Mississippi, to where I live in Texas. They're also in 67 countries, Canada, Mexico, India, New Zealand. Some of them choose not even to have a home base. They're nomads. Whether they're in RVs or traveling through Airbnbs, they're in new places every day, week, or month. As long as they can find good Wi-Fi, we don't care where they are. I love in this introduction how he lays out how his company, Automatic, is a 100% distributed workforce. They work all over the place in so many different cities and countries, even with digital nomads who are just wandering around. As long as they have Wi-Fi connection, they're fine. And he asks the question at the end, why should it matter? If they have good Wi-Fi, if they can connect, then why should it matter? And that is a really, really good question. I think the pandemic has shown that we can work remotely, effectively, much more than people thought previously. Um, And so many organizations, while they had to pivot to a remote workforce or a a distributed workforce model, many organizations now, as we're coming out of the pandemic, are thinking about shifting back or to some sort of a hybrid arrangement that's still predominantly in person with some uh, remote flexibility. The question is, what is the problem with remote or distributed workforce? Can we benefit from that? And is it helpful to organizations and to the people within organizations to have that opportunity? I like how he frames it at the very beginning. It's it's a matter of giving people the opportunity to control their work environment. And that can be very powerful. It's a powerful motivation for many individuals. And, and that's something that's been reinforced by a lot of the research I've done. And many other people have done similar research to demonstrate this over and over and over again. 
Our focus on distributed work wasn't something that happened accidentally. It was a conscious choice from the very beginning. In fact, you'll probably notice I don't use the word remote because it sets up the expectation there are some people that are essential, some that aren't. I use the word distributed to describe what we do, where everyone is on an equal playing field. I think a distributed workforce is the most effective way to build a company. The key is that you have to approach it consciously. When we started WordPress, many of the first 20 hires were people who I'd never met in person, but we'd already collaborated online, sometimes for years. I wanted to continue that as the company grew for one simple reason. I believe that talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. I agree with what he says there at the end that talent, competencies, and capabilities are relatively distributed across the world. But opportunity is not. And so if we are only hiring for an in-office environment, that restricts us to people within our geographic location. But when we utilize a distributed workforce model, all of a sudden we have the opportunity to hire from all over the place. And that's a tremendous opportunity, uh, particularly in a tight labor market. The other thing that he mentioned at the very beginning of this clip is just how important it is to be deliberate and thoughtful about how you set up your remote work or distributed work environment and expectations for your people. And at WordPress, at Automatic, from the very beginning, they made that decision that they were going to be completely distributed. He likes the term distributed because it doesn't have the implication that some people are more important than others, uh, that essential workers are together in the office while the tangential workers work remotely. Uh, he got rid of that, and, and he believes that it's the best model for building a business. Now, that can be argued, and many people believe strongly in the value of having people together in person, but I, I think the example of Automatic is a really good example that challenges that notion. Now, certainly, if, if that's what someone wants to do, that's great, but what they did at Automatic is something that's very scalable because you don't have all of the fixed costs associated with office space. Uh, you have uh, the ability to tap into a, a broader labor market with skills and abilities from all over the place. And ultimately, you just don't have some of those same constraints and restrictions that often are very difficult for new businesses starting off right from the beginning. In Silicon Valley, you have the big tech companies fishing from essentially the same small pond or bay. By making the company distributed, we can fish from the entire ocean. Instead of hiring someone who grew up in Japan but now lives in California, you can gain someone who lives, works, wakes up in the morning and goes to sleep every night, wherever they are in the world. They bring a different understanding of that culture and a different lived experience day to day. At the base of the decision to go distributed, there is a desire to give people autonomy over how they do their work. Unless you're in a role where specific hours are important, you can make your own schedule. Everyone can have a corner office. They can have their windows. They can have the food they want to eat. You can choose when there's music and when there's silence. You can choose what temperature the room should be. You can choose to save the time you'd spend commuting every day and put that into other things that are more important to you. A distributed workforce is ideal for a technology company, but I often get the question, hey, this works great for y'all, but what about everyone else? If you already have an office, there are a few things you can do to build distributed capability. So again, he makes the case, uh, particularly for tech firms, you know, so many start out in Silicon Valley. It's an incredibly expensive place and it's hyper competitive in terms of getting the technical expertise uh, in your human capital in the organization. So it's, it's a really small pool of people and every company is fighting over the same people. That is tough. So a distributed workforce, one, you don't have the high um, costs of office space in a place like Silicon Valley or in Houston or other really expensive metropolitan areas. Uh, that's a huge win that you save a lot of money immediately. 
uh, from just the office space. But then you have the the opportunity to tap into labor from everywhere. And when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you can literally have a team from across the globe that brings a richness of diversity uh, and perspective and worldview to what the company is trying to accomplish. Not just people who are immigrants to the U.S. and now living in the U.S. from different backgrounds, but people who are literally living all over the world, and now you can leverage their perspectives. Uh, that's a tremendous asset, I think, to any organization. As we've discussed on this podcast many times, the value of diversity is tremendous. First, document everything. In an office, it's easy to make decisions in the moment, in the kitchen, in the hall. But if people work remotely and some members of the team are having those conversations they don't have access to, they'll see these decisions being made without understanding the why. Always leave a trail of where you were and what you were thinking about. This allows others to pick up where you left off. That's great for allowing people in different time zones to interact. It's also great to think about as an organization evolves with people leaving and people joining. So while the distributed workforce model seems to work really well for Automatic, and as he suggests, it probably can work really well for a lot of tech companies, what if you already have a physical office space? What do you do then? Uh, there's a lot of sunk cost into that office space, and are we really going to save that much money uh, by going distributed? So he's laying out now a handful of tips on what we can do if we're already in that kind of a situation where we have people working in a physical environment, what do we do to either make sh to make the most of that situation with some pre people working remotely, or if we want to expand that distributed workforce over time, or what, you know, what do we do if we have that kind of a hybrid work arrangement? And the first one is simply that we need to document everything. When we have people physically in the workplace, uh, there are so many casual encounters that end up being meaningful and impactful. And people who are virtual can't uh, be a part of those conversations, and they often don't know what's going on or they don't know the why behind it. And so that has to be clearly communicated and it has to be documented so that other people can be brought up to speed and understand the why behind certain decisions, certain strategies, uh, the direction that the organization's trying to go. Uh, one, that just makes us more productive, more efficient, more effective as a team when we're working virtually with distributed people all over the place. Uh, but two, it also makes sure that people who are remote while others are in person, that they don't feel like second class team members, that the important ones are in person and they're just on the periphery and all the important stuff happens when they're not around. So we, we definitely don't want that. That's an unhealthy dynamic within any team. Uh, and so just documenting everything really helps us uh, to, to deal with the hybrid arrangements of having some people working remotely while others are physically in the office. Along those same lines, try to have as much communication as possible online. When everything's shared in public, it allows those new people to read through and catch up quickly. You also need to find the right tools. There are so many apps and services that help with day-to-day -day communication, video conferencing, project management, you name it. If you look around the office, the things that changed how you work probably aren't objects anymore. The things you access through your computer. So test out and experiment with different tools that enable collaboration. See what works. The second tip is just to make sure that we're constantly communicating. And this really feeds off of the first tip. We document everything. Now we need to communicate it. We need to make sure that it's not just siloed in my computer in the office, but now it's shared with people across the team, across different locations around the world. And there are so many different technologies that can facilitate that from virtual meeting technologies to uh, apps like Slack. Uh, there's so many opportunities for us to communicate. 
ultimately you as an organization, as the leadership, uh, need to figure out what works for you and your team. Uh, test things out, iterate, and figure out what works for you and what doesn't, and settle in on something that will allow for you to just effortlessly, seamlessly, and actively, constantly communicate all of the important information that's being conveyed uh, throughout the the information throughout the organization at different points in time. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Create productive face-to-face time. In a traditional office, you're in the same place 48 weeks out of the year, and you might have three or four weeks where you're not together. We try to flip that. So we come together for short, intense bursts. Once a year, we do a grand meetup where the entire company comes together for a week. It's kind of half work, half play. The primary goal is connecting people. When we leave, we want to make sure that everyone's aligned and on the same page, and that they have a deeper connection with their colleagues, so that when they work together the rest of the year, they can bring together that understanding and empathy. Creating productive face-to-face time is important regardless of the working model that your company utilizes, whether you're completely in person, whether you're completely remote or some sort of an in-between hybrid arrangement, you need to have productive time together. I think it's even more important when you're either hybrid or with a distributed workforce uh, in a remote kind of an arrangement, because it, it does matter to be able to connect with people and you can connect with people more easily when you're together in the same space. You can do activities together to build team camaraderie just to get to know each other. Uh, You know, you can do that some over virtual conferencing. And certainly over time, colleagues can grow to trust each other and develop uh, genuine relationships of of, uh, respect and trust and, you know, see each other as colleagues, even friends. But it's going to be easier if you can at least connect, you know, every so often in person. So as he mentioned, you know, flip the model of, you know, where we're together all the time and then we go on vacation and and take time away from each other three, four weeks a year. Now let's flip it and in in really tight bursts, you can in a week or so, you can have everyone come together and, and spend that time really interacting, getting to know each other, spending time together, uh, ultimately learning how to work together and, and fleshing out those dynamics so that the rest of the year you can lean on and and build upon those relationships to be more effective, more creative, more innovative, and to navigate 
the complexities, the challenges and difficulties that you will inevitably face during the course of the year. And the final practice is give people the flexibility to make their own work environment. Every person in Automatic has a co-working stipend that they can put towards a co-working space or just to buy coffee so they don't get kicked out of the coffee shop. We even had one group in Seattle that decided to pull their stipends together and rent a workspace on a fishing pier. Also, when each person joins the company, we give them a home office stipend. This is money they can invest in getting the right chair, the right monitor, the right desk setup so that they can have the most productive environment for them. Giving people the flexibility and the resources to create their own work environment is really important, and it's one of the, the most attractive things about working remotely or in a distributed model. What's frustrating when you're working remotely is when you don't have a good space or when you don't have the right equipment to be effective. And so what they do at Automatic is they provide those stipends, uh, the work from home stipend, the the uh, the remote stipend so that ultimately people can get the right equipment, they can have their setup, even if they don't want to work from home. Uh, but they, the one example of, of the, the group of people who are all in the same city together but working remotely, they decided to pull their stipend so that they could rent some uh, workspace at the pier just to have a fun place where they could get together. And, and so now they're working together in, in a pseudo office space, not from home. You know, whatever works for people, give them the flexibility to set up their own arrangements and, and provide those resources to allow them to do so. When the pandemic hit, so many organizations immediately had to pivot to online remote work and people working from home. Uh, and and understandably, not every organization had the bandwidth, the, the, the resources to to support everyone. Uh, in the work from home kind of an environment. And I was in one of those situations. Uh, you know, being a university professor uh, at a public university, universities don't always have tons of extra budget for that kind of stuff. And so while I had some equipment at home anyways and I was able to make it work, you know, I it really was several months of me just trying to make do with less than ideal equipment. And finally, I decided that I was just going to go out and buy on my own uh, more monitors and, and other equipment that would help me to do my work better, more efficiently, more comfortably. Uh, now, it would have been really nice if the university had done that. They didn't. Uh, I understand why. That, you know, they didn't have budget for all that for all the professors. Uh, but ultimately, you know, organizations need to be thoughtful about that kind of thing because you think about the lost productivity that can come from people not having the right equipment, and all of a sudden the cost savings that you might have from not having shared office space in, in one location, all of a sudden that can be eroded quickly if people aren't being effective, efficient with their time. And it's a small fraction of the office space cost to just give people the opportunity to have good equipment at home uh, and, and to provide those stipends, like he said, that they do just, you know, to get coffee, get a meal, um, just to have a comfortable office space. You're not spending that money on the physical office anyways, so you might as well go for it. Today, there are just a few companies that are distributed first, but if you fast forward a decade or two, I predict that 90% of companies that are going to be changing the course of the world are going to function this way. I think that companies will evolve to be distributed first or that they'll be replaced by those that are. As you think about what you're going to build next, definitely consider how you can tap into global talent, give people autonomy to live and work wherever they feel they should, and still participate fully in whatever it is that you're creating together. Do you work with a distributed first organization like Automatic, like uh, WordPress? Probably not. Most people don't now. But think 5, 10, 20 years into the future, 
And I agree with his prediction. I think the vast majority of organizations will at least have a huge portion of their workforce being distributed. He suggests that the number of organizations that will be distributed first, and that'll be their primary focus, will be 90%. I don't know. I don't know about that. I haven't thought enough about it to really have an opinion. But I 100% agree that it will be super common, and it'll, it'll become more and more common. Uh, so organizations need to be thinking about the policies, practice, the policies, practices, um, the structures that could be in place to allow for the distributed workforce to 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 manage things effectively. Um, you know, some organizations have uh, policies, for example, that you have to live in the metropolitan area where the where the organization is. They don't even want to allow out of state um, employees in their business for a variety of reasons. Uh, whatever those reasons are, though. In the new world of work, I don't think they're particularly um, salient or relevant reasons, not enough to bypass the benefits of having uh, a global talent pool where you can literally get the best people from anywhere in the world to work for your organization. And as other organizations start to do that more and more, we're going to see even a more hyper competition for global talent, uh, particularly for really technical fields. Uh, that it's going to be really challenging for organizations to get good people uh, because they can any good person can be picked off by any organization anywhere in the world uh, as we go into the future. So let's think about digital um, transformation. Let's think about distributed first models. Uh, certainly, let's think about hybrid models. And following his tips can help us to make that transition and to do it more seamlessly. I really appreciate his insights. I appreciate the example of Automatic and WordPress and what they've been able to do. I've seen other examples of companies doing the same thing where they've been distributed first, and it's worked for really well and long before the pandemic even hit. Uh, now, of course, more organizations who were physical organiz you know, locations, physical uh, uh, workforce, now they've even transitioned and said, you know what, you can work remotely for an uh, indeterminate amount of time. I think that's the new normal. That's what we need to really learn how to adapt to. And if we can, we'll be better positioned to continue to attract and retain top talent, to bring value to the market, and ultimately maintain our competitive advantage in a hyper-competitive global marketplace. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly 
LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.